Hey there, welcome back. This is Needed Conversations with Ryan and Victoria Cole. Thanks for joining for today's episode as we're continuing our conversation on communication. We have been in these incredible series and it has been a lot because we are in the process of writing a book on communication. And I think most people, when they think of communication and marriage, they think there's not much to it. Like, how are you going to create like a big old book out of it? But we have been diving into it and it's like, what do we need to take out to make it more more palatable. palatable? And because there is a lot, there's just so many things that need to be addressed when it comes to communication. So we're excited for you to get your hands on that book. But and hopefully coming out in a couple months. Yeah, but we have been living through it as well. <laughs> we always hate the marriage. process of writing a book, not because we don't enjoy the creativity and the outcome of our labor, but especially as ministers wanting to maintain strong integrity, we don't want to put something down on a page and give it out as a strategy if we don't believe it. And that means God puts us through a trial by fire. But it's worth it in the end to know that others are going to be transformed by it. And hey, our marriage grows stronger in the process too. Yeah, we're not perfect. We have a lot of things that we are dealing with, our strengths and our weaknesses. I think every marriage is unique, but uh, we're excited to get this out there because I know that it's going to help so many couples that are struggling with this particular thing where we can get you out of the argument phase and get you to a place of dreaming together and living life and enjoying life together. That's the ultimate goal of communication is get you to a place where you've overcome the issues and you're now talking about purpose and what God wants to do through you. And so today's episode, we're going to continue in that vein, talking about communication, but in particular, discussing emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. What is that? It's a fairly modern term coined in the 1990s, but today we're going to talk about the biblical perspective behind emotional intelligence and how that can help you in your marriage. And in particular, how we view each other as men and women, but we're going to get into that today. But before we do so... We want to encourage you to partner with us. We are a nonprofit ministry, and our vision is to help people discover their purpose, date well, and build marriages that reflect the glory of God. We believe that marriage is the most powerful institution that God ever created. It is a mirror of the gospel. And so we are investing in families, and we are investing in marriages through resources that we are creating. We also have a vision for having property and a retreat center for ministry to take place, for couples to be healed and whole. But we need your support to be able to do that. In fact, to be able to produce this next book, we are going to need some support because it costs money for editing, for printing, all of the time that we're putting into it now to be able to even write it and organize it. Uh, we need your support to be able to do that on a weekly basis. So we're asking for you to become a partner. Go to RyanColeEmpowerment.com and click that donate button now. You can give on a monthly basis. As little as $25 goes a long way. And it's investing in future generations because I see this generation and how they view dating and marriage. And it can be very discouraging. Mm -hmm. But I know that we have the answer that they're looking for and that they're crying out for. And it comes directly from the gospel, from the Bible. So would you support us? Go to RyanColeEmpowerment.com or you can go to MoreMostForever.com and also see all of our range of marriage resources, a lot of which are free and accessible to you right now. 
So thank you for your support. And I would like to also add, be sure to give us a review and give us a five-star rating. Hopefully you have been enjoying these. Um, I know a lot of people that we come in contact with and they come around us and say, we have been really enjoying listening to your podcast while we drive together with, you know, my spouse. We have gotten so much wisdom. And so would you do this for us? Would you help us to spread the word by just giving us that five-star rating and then just writing a few words? It's going to encourage us, but it's also going to help us to spread the word to other couples um, that may need the resources but may not have somebody to urge them on to continue in this commitment that they've made. So, Yes, yeah, spread the word. Thank you for helping us to reach more. You ready for this conversation, yeah, Victoria? let's jump in. So we're talking about emotional intelligence. What is it and what does the Bible have to say about it? And more importantly here for this conversation, how can understanding emotional intelligence help you in your marriage? I often counsel women who are single looking for husbands. And I think that we have gone so far off base as far as what we desire in a spouse in our culture because times have changed. And men are no longer valued in the way that they have been in previous generations. Mm -hmm. And I say that because technology has afforded us a lot of things that we're, we're built on brute strength, right? Building houses from the ground up. And there are still men that are in those labor-intensive jobs, but they aren't as necessary in the average marriage as they once were. And so women oftentimes are pursuing success in their careers and and they're looking for men who can either match them financially or have succeeded them. And unfortunately, men who have succeeded them financially are looking for something different in a wife. We've discussed this for, before in other podcasts. And what I've encouraged single women to do when looking for a husband is not just look for someone who is making a lot of money. You may not understand what you're asking for. What you really need is a man who can lead well, who has integrity, and then this term here, he has emotional intelligence. Yeah, we actually, I was going to put this in, we watched a quick clip of a person asking this successful young woman, would she uh, marry or date a bus driver? Right. It was um, <laughs> Ianla Van Zant being interviewed by Ebony K. Williams, I believe. And Ebony Williams is this successful lawyer host. You know, I'm sure she's financially set. And Ianla asked her the simple question, you know, would you date a bus driver? And mm-hmm. her response was, if he owned the bus. Now, <laughs> you know, the internet blew up about that. But the point that, that, she needs to understand, as most successful single women do, is that financial bravado is not what you necessarily need, especially if you already have money. Now, mm-hmm. as Ianla pointed out, you're, you're not talking about a lazy man sitting on the couch or playing video games, but a bus driver could be about a, a well, trash she said collector. Somebody that, that is enjoying their job. Like, who loves yeah, it. Yeah, they love the job. And who and shows up for do. you. Yeah. Who is loving and kind and supportive and all of those things. You know, your husband is going to be more than a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And you have to recognize that when he comes home, you're going to want to have a man who's who you're able to connect with, who you're friends with, 
who you will want to help raise kids with. You know, I think of the vow that we say for richer or for poor. Well, a lot of the females out there right now that are successful, it's for richer, but not for poor. <laughs> yeah. And I think that um, our idea of wealth is skewed. I don't yeah. want to get us too far off on this conversation, but I brought that up to say emotional intelligence is a strong characteristic for a man to have. Yeah, well, I said that because you could have a successful man and not have the emotional intelligence. And he could be prideful in, in the work that he does. And he is so busy and preoccupied with his work to make the money that he doesn't have time for you or whatever. And so you're both now are so successful you don't have the time to cultivate this relationship. And what you really want is connection. Yeah, for and sure. And so we're talking about this term, but what does it mean? I went online, looked up a couple of definitions, but Harvard Business School online has defined emotional intelligence as the ability to understand and manage your own emotions as well as recognize and influence the emotions of those around you. The term was first coined in 1990 by researchers John Mayer and Peter Salovey, but was later popularized by psychologist Daniel Goleman. And so as it relates to this discussion, emotional intelligence has to do with your ability to self-regulate, you know, Mm -hmm. control your emotions or rather channel them in the proper direction and be able to empathize with the emotions of other people around you. I think the reason why this has become popular as a term is it's used in a lot of leadership teachings, mm-hmm. you know, especially those who are CEOs or in, in leadership positions within organizations. Those who are leading are the ones who are setting the tone for the culture of an organization. And the most successful CEOs that we have seen analyzed, 70% of them have a high emotional quotient. Like they are in tune with not only how their emotions affect others, but how to um, help fuel the um, the right emotions within an organization that will lead to uh, productivity and ultimately uh, the mission of that organization being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I so, think you ultimately don't come to the table in this defensive way. Like what I know, what I believe, what I feel is true and whatever else is everybody feeling is not true and pushing the agenda of that instead of as the emotional intelligent person, you know, they understand themselves, they understand where they are, but they also meet where that person is. And that's what makes a great leader is that you want to call somebody higher, but you also want to have empathy of where this person is. And maybe they have not had the exposure um, or just nobody has ever poured into them uh, what what is important and what can actually bring them higher. And that's what makes a great leader, somebody that's emotionally in, in tuned. And we're making um, a strong investment in our kids. Yeah. And both of our kids, we've discussed before, are vastly different, extroverted, introverted. But when it comes to our children, we are teaching them how to regulate their emotions and be aware of the emotions of those around them and how to channel those emotions in an appropriate manner. And I oftentimes tell my kids that this particular situation does not deserve that type of emotion. It doesn't deserve that type of energy, you know, because there are so many other things that we have to be concerned about. Now, on the same hand, I want to give them free space and free range to be able to express the emotions 
that they feel bubbling up, but not allow those emotions to control them. And with the different personalities of our kids, I'm having to use a different strategy on how to teach them. Mm -hmm. And in particular with my son, in our society where men have been told that it's not uh, manly to be emotional, I want him to know that he can cry, that he can express those emotions, but also understand that there's always a proper context for emotions as well. Mm -hmm. And so this is particularly important to understand for the sake of your marriage. Emotional intelligence will play a significant role as it relates to improving intimacy, trust, and communication. For example, if you are able to identify and manage your own emotions, you are less likely to be reactive and can approach conflict in a more productive way. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you can understand your spouse's emotions, you can respond in a more empathetic and supportive way. And as we've been discussing, that will help posture you as friends instead of enemies. Yes. You know, we come to the table with swords ready to fight, with guns blazing, and we fail to realize that we are not enemies. We are on the same team fighting a common enemy, and that's Satan, who's seeking to divide that which God has joined together. And he wants to attack marriages. The enemy has got his claws in traditional marriages. And if you have a, a strong marriage, you better believe the, the, the devil is going to seek ways to subtly divide you. And you have to be aware of it. And you have to also understand that he's going to use you. In what ways have he allowed you to become emotionally reckless mm-hmm. and divided you and your spouse because of it? That's what it means to have emotional intelligence in marriage. It means that you're able to control your emotions and recognize when they are productive and when they have become manipulative. Yeah, you know, emotional intelligence is not in the Bible, like the the terminology, but we do have the scriptures about the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. That's one of the fruits of the spirit is us taking control of ourselves, is dying to ourselves daily, picking up our cross and following Jesus. That's what Jesus has has exemplified for us. And this is something that we have to do for ourselves. We have to analyze ourselves, what we need to do and allow God to do the work in us. And also sometimes we need to close our mouth and we need to be uh, more empathetic to what somebody else is going through because that's what Jesus did. I mean, if we think about how he met every person uh, where they are, you know, his disciples, like their personalities and the way they responded to certain things. He he met them right there and he called them higher. And that's that kind of leadership. Um, it's easy to submit to. And yeah. so this is what marriage truly is. It's about serving one another. And in serving one another means that you are carrying yourself with self-control. You don't just allow yourself to be angry or to be resentful or unforgiving, but you uh, you lean into the process. I mean, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's not going to be easy to address those emotional issues that you may be struggling with or trauma. But you both have to have the empathy towards one another to understand where you are and where you're going. Yeah, Jesus was a human just like we are. Yeah, the Bible says uh, that he felt all of the things that we feel as human beings because he. He, even though he was fully God, 
He became fully man too. That's the power of the cross and the resurrection is that Jesus experienced all the temptations that you and I do. And he experienced a full range of emotions from love. He experienced anger. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. But he stood before that grave uh, of Lazarus, that tomb, and he wept for his friend. Jesus understood that emotions were important. He experienced betrayal, right? He understood that emotions were important, but he knew how to channel them and when was the right moment to express them. I think that it was pivotal in unlocking compassion within him when he allowed himself to weep in front of the tomb of Lazarus, that it brought forth this virtue in the same way when Jesus was in the garden and and he was sweating profusely and he had this high level of anxiety where the sweat turned to blood. Jesus channeled those emotions instead of giving up on his assignment. He turned and said, thy will be done. Jesus expressed anger. Jesus walked into the temple and overthrew the tables. And it was a prophetic, it was at the the right time. He could have been angry about so many things. And and at times he did rebuke his disciples, but we never saw him display the type of anger that he did in throwing over those tables and breaking out a whip and slapping people with it. And it was because it was an important moment in the unfolding of the, the timeline leading up to the crucifixion. And it had to do with what had become of the house of God. It had become a den of thieves when it was supposed to be a house of prayer. And Jesus funneled that anger in a productive way. We've got to learn how to do the same thing. And, you know, the word emotional intelligence or the phrase is a modern psychological concept, um, but there's a lot of guidance in the Bible that helps us Uh, regarding this idea of emotional intelligence. The Bible encourages us to be aware of our emotions and thoughts. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That means your soul and the subconscious uh, mind, which is the heart, the second component compartment of your mind, it's a powerful force for uh, shaping the world around you. Out of Out of that place flow the issues of life. Out of it flow everything that you do. The environment of your home is impacted by what flows out of your heart. So you've got to guard it. You've got to channel those those emotions and be aware of how your emotions are affecting the world around you. Yeah, and this is why we talk about prayer being so important because prayer postures you before God and he allows the places of hurt to be healed so that you don't walk out your emotions in a toxic way in this world. And so that's why we say, you know, come before God. And if you're having issues in your marriage, come before God. And you know, the thing is that God is not going to give you a strategy and say, oh, this is what's wrong with your spouse. You need to fix this. You know what God does? He says, this is what's wrong with you. Let's address those issues. And then he said, come before your spouse and apologize and walk humbly. And it's such a humbling process because you recognize that it's not about your spouse. It's really about you. When you change yourself, you change everything that's inside of you. Everything around you is going to have to change to accommodate that. And you'll, you'll see that big difference. And that's maturity. It's maturity to really focus on yourself versus what your spouse needs to do to fix the situation. And that leads us to the idea of empathy. 
You know, the Bible teaches us to be empathetic towards others and to show compassion instead of pointing the fingers and demonizing our spouse. We have to be able to feel what they're feeling and see things from their point of view. First Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, be like-minded. I think that we need to be unified in where we're going But also, I think this phrase may point to the idea of putting your mind where they're sitting and viewing the situation from their vantage point, Mm -hmm. being like-minded. How is your spouse thinking about this situation? Can you empathize with the challenges that they are facing or the things that they've gone through in their life? This will invoke this supernatural compassion where you can empathize with them and feel what they're feeling. And and that leads to number three, the third aspect of emotional intelligence that we see in the Bible, which is self-control. This is a fruit of the Spirit. And as Victoria mentioned, it's the reason why prayer is so important. Because when you go to God in prayer, you might come complaining about your spouse, but you'll come out with a, 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 with a checklist of the things that you need to adjust in your own life. Mm-hmm. Right, And as she says, when you change, something supernatural happens. Everything around you begins to accommodate that change. Dr. Cindy Trim said that before. But self-control is going to be important. You're going to want to deflect that pressure that you feel from the Holy Spirit as he's pricking your heart and he's telling you, you need to bring this into alignment. But you're going to have to be disciplined enough to, uh, to be able to Hold your tongue when you want to criticize your spouse, when you're trying to uh, be argumentative or manipulative because you feel like they deserve it. You have to be self-controlled and regulate those emotions. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who's lack, who lacks self-control. We think that we're in control because we might have momentary power. By using these toxic weapons like, you know, you know, cursing our spouse or calling them names or screaming at them. Like we might have that power in that moment. But in the overall scheme of things, we've just relinquished our power to the enemy. Mm-hmm. And words are powerful. You know, words uh, hold weight. And we've talked a lot about walking in integrity and meaning that means being integrated. So whatever is on the inside of you, like we talked about the heart, it's going to come out. So what is the language that you're speaking in your mind? What is the things that you're saying about your spouse? And they will eventually actually come out. And I believe this is why people that resort to name calling and cursing their spouse, I believe it's because there's a root issue and they have unforgiveness and bitterness towards their spouse. So they keep circulating those thoughts in their mind until it seeps into their heart and it takes root. And out of that heart flow the issues of life. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to come out of your mouth. And you'll be even surprised sometimes the things that will come out of your mouth and you'll start believing it. And the more you'll start believing it, you're going to continue to confess it. And guess what? Even if it's not really true or reality, it's actually going to become that because you're speaking that over your spouse. And that's how powerful words are. So you have to self-regulate. You have to be intentional in what it is that you're saying, but also what is the internal dialogue that um, you keep replaying in your mind? That's um, the lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Is that 
the enemy has deceived you into thinking that it's all about them and it's not about you. And if we're to be honest with ourselves, we have a part to play in the in the um, breakdown of this marriage as well. Yeah. Which leads to the fourth aspect of biblical emotional intelligence, which is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. This has to be your anchor. The Bible teaches us to forgive others and to let go of anger and bitterness. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgives, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We could do a whole episode, and we have before, on forgiveness and why you need to forgive. It's important for your salvation. It's important to uh, uh, release you from the stronghold uh, that you've imposed upon yourself, thinking that you're holding that person hostage when, in fact, you're holding yourself hostage. But forgiveness is the anchor for a healthy relationship. If you're not able to forgive your spouse, how are you going to be able to move forward with them? But if you want hope to arise, that begins with letting your spouse go, forgiving them. Mm-hmm. I know that we've talked a lot today about emotional intelligence. Well, this is such a, a, a heavy topic, uh, emotional intelligence. For some of you, it might be a brand new topic. We're going to continue this conversation next week. And in particular, we're going to talk about the misconceptions that men and women have about each other mm-hmm. and how they as genders approach emotional intelligence like how do we approach communication as men and women and how have we demonized one another in particular next week we are going to talk about that scripture that describes women as being a weaker vessel what does that really mean and have we misunderstood it make sure you join us next week as we continue this conversation and also support this ministry, right? Yes, we would love for you guys to partner with us so that we can continue creating this content. I know it's going to bless you, but also bless others. This is good soil. So be sure to partner with us by going to moremostforever.com. You can give a one-time gift or a monthly donation. Anything would be appreciated. Yeah, if you're not following us on Instagram, go to at moremostforever. We're also on Facebook at moremostforever. Be on the lookout because not only are we going to be announcing the release date of this new book called Needed Conversations in honor of this podcast, but we also have some great things in store uh, for events, marriage events. It's going to be a great uh, time for you to be empowered in your relationship. So make sure you're subscribed, all things moremostforever.com. So we're glad you've joined us for this conversation and make sure you tune in next week as we tackle more of this topic, you know, on emotional intelligence. It's going to be awesome.